It's Wednesday, the 24th of March, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. I'm your host, Mark Anthony. Uh, we've got a lot to get through this morning and only a short time in which to do it. Um, so before we get started, let's take a look at who is celebrating a birthday today. Uh, it's many happy returns to Big Bang Theory star Jim Parsons and to professional wrestling icon The Undertaker. Sheldon Cooper and The Undertaker, so very similar in so many ways. Uh, and although I managed to miss it, uh, happy anniversary to me. Uh, yesterday was the one year anniversary of my first ever live stream. Who knew I'd still be serving up this old nonsense 12 months later? We'll be right back after this. If you enjoyed this show, please consider supporting us. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash demolition news. Now, if you were watching or listening here in the UK, um, you'll know that yesterday was a national day of reflection. So as we took a moment to look back at the events of the past year as the country battled against the COVID crisis, that reflection was, of course, uh, designed to remember all those that we lost in the past 12 months, to look back at the heroic efforts of the medical profession and to spare a uh, thought for all those that lost a loved one uh, during the pandemic. But that looking back, proved to be quite revealing in other ways. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, that reflection revealed that I'd been live streaming for precisely 365 days. Uh, and our friends over at Market Intelligence Provider, the Builders Conference, discovered that the UK construction industry had reported a staggering £83 billion worth of new contract awards since the day the first lockdown began. Now, when the show ends, I will add a link to an article that's been written uh, about that. But I'm delighted that um, Bill, uh, Builders Conference CEO Neil Edwards is waiting in our green room and he'll be able to tell us more. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Mark. Uh, straight, to the, straight to the chase. £83 billion in the midst of a global pandemic. That is an astonishing figure, isn't it? Truly amazing, really. Uh, truly astonishing, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, shall we say, the rolling figures uh, for the year normally... Uh, on average, around about 80 million, 80 billion, sorry. Um, so we're above that figure as well. So absolutely amazing. And in a pandemic, wow, you know, so you just spoke about NHS workers uh, as well, but obviously uh, a lot of the uh, construction people and construction teams are also key workers as well. So my hat goes off to them as well. You know, it's uh, fantastic this year. Now, there were a few landmark projects along the way. I, I'm thinking most specifically here about some of the, uh, the the later bits of HS2 that were awarded. But it was the house building sector that really carried the construction industry through in the past year, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. That would that was the, that was the place really where uh, most of uh, the, the money went to. And if you are a business, I think uh, if you have a housing had an housing arm, a respective housing arm, or even worked for the social. Uh, housing sector uh, that was obviously an area which was very as is and still is very very busy um, and only but yesterday I think uh, at the press conference in the afternoon by Boris Johnson he also talked about the 300,000 units that we still need to build so I, I don't see that sector in the in the short term actually uh, slowing down whatsoever what I do see is probably uh, the type of work uh, in that sector more it could lean towards more social housing rather than actually speculative housing but that's only an opinion of mine uh, in the short term I, I think one of the things that i i found interesting about this was 
as I say, a day of reflection when you're, you're looking back. You know, it was it was stated very early on, as you said, that construction were, were seen as key workers and, and we had the whole Build Back Better programme. I, I can't think of a, an industry that has risen to a challenge more than the construction industry. I mean, it's literally, you know, it's carried the weight of, of economic expectation on its shoulders almost single-handedly, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And uh, when you consider in many of the other sectors that uh, are whether it be uh, food or entertainment, that they've literally stopped in some places. Whereas uh, us as an industry, the construction industry, has powered through, and and it's been absolutely fantastic. It has had its trials and tribulations of getting to work. You know, transport has been an issue, but they've now worked out through. Uh, how we can stagger things in certain areas, in London especially, where people are going in a little bit later or a little bit earlier to make sure that the, the trains are not, because they're on a reduced service, are, are not actually uh, full. But yeah, it's it, the logistics of it all has been absolutely fantastic. Now, speaking of logistics, it's funny you should lead, lead me that way. I, I think one of the other things that stood out for me is this, um, over the past 12 months, our desire for real-time data. I know I arranged for a long period, you know, probably six months or more. I was arranging my working day around the five o'clock news briefing to find out the, the, the latest infection rates and, and sadly, the, the latest death toll. That desire for real-time data has been, uh, has been evident for the Builders' Conference as well, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. More and more of our uh, uh, members have, have, have asked us to say what, what's going on now and, uh, and reporting back so they can be agile because that's the big thing at the present moment in time. We, we, we planning forward is going to be quite difficult, I would think, in the next 18 months or so. But if you can have real data, real-time data, see what's actually going on precisely now rather than waiting for it from certain places, uh, then you can be that agile business and then change and adapt as necessary. Like to, if you haven't got a housing arm, maybe uh, put a housing arm inside your business and start to do more work there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know, I mean, I, I started these shows on a bit of a whim, um, but I know one of the most popular elements is the fact that we are highlighting on a fairly regular basis upcoming construction and more specifically demolition work. You know, that's people are tuning in specifically to find out what, what projects are, uh, are coming up. Where can people find out more? Rather than sitting here listening to me once on, where can people find out more to, to get that information direct? Well, um, from us, obviously, um, and it's obviously you go to www.buildersconference.co.uk uh, and just ask for an online demo. Uh, there is live chat as well, or just give us a call. But our, we invested heavily about uh, two years ago, just over two years ago in a new platform, which gave this live feed of data to everybody that actually uh, had access to it. Uh, and to be honest with you, it's been an absolute godsend. It really has, you know, and that's where you can find it. It's interactive. You can only look at demolition projects if you so wish. It, it, it isn't it, it isn't prescriptive to what, well, it is prescriptive to what you want, should I say. You, you can actually design it yourself, your own bespoke reports and get all that information live to you every day. That's fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll put a link in that to the uh, to the show notes, but I'm going to let you get back to your your working day. Um, you. You, it looks like you're dressed for a, a proper day of work. Um, yeah, I've got to get the show wrapped today. up by 10 o'clock <laughs> today, so um, I, I'm in a bit of a hurry. So thanks for joining us, Neil, and thanks as always for uh, your insight. Okay, many thanks. Cheers. Speak to you soon. soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, the industry's gender imbalance is a constant topic of conversation here at Demolition News Towers. Um, we, it's only recently that we, uh, we hosted uh, a special live show to celebrate uh, International Women's Day. 
so it is refreshing to see some positive news for once. Uh, a new study by Go Compare Van has found an increasing, uh, or an increase rather, in the number of females uh, taking on trade jobs here in the UK, uh, a space usually dominated by uh, the male of the species. Uh, the study identified a rise in the number of women learning a trade, uh, and they are younger too. Uh, results found that there's been a 366% increase in young females taking on apprenticeships in construction and engineering in the past five years, which is fantastic news. Uh, for course starters in 2019-2020, there were 10,170 uh, 10, females in construction and a further 45,000 enrolling in engineering. Uh, also pleasing to note, as it's where I'm from, the nation's capital is leading the way in bringing women into construction. There are 3,930 registered female apprentices across London's boroughs, uh, learning construction, planning and manufacturing, and a whole lot more. Sadly, as always, it's not all good news. Uh, the same study found that men are earning an average of £8,206 per year, more than women, for the same roles. Um, so we still have some way to go, but some positive news for once. Those uh, fine folks over at Case um, are, have announced that they are about to launch a new range of wheel loaders. To mark the fact they've released a short film, if you watch it very, very closely, you might just catch a glimpse of the machines in question. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to seeing what the guys at Case have, have got up their sleeve this time. Um, over the past couple of years, they, they really have been pushing the envelope uh, innovation-wise. Um, at the last Belma, they introduced their Project Tetra biofuel-powered uh, prototype wheel loader. And then at Come Expo this time last year, uh, they unveiled um, an electric backhoe loader. So quite what they've got up their sleeves with their new G-Series wheel loaders remains to be seen, but I'll be watching intently uh, when I think it's the 15th of April rolls around. Now, in an ideal world, I would now press a button and some suitably mysterious music would start playing in the background. Uh, sadly, I can't actually do that live, uh, but if you're watching or listening on catch up, hopefully our audio editor will have sorted that out by now. So here we go. It was a day like any other. It was sunny, and there was no warning of what was about to unfold. But when the postman arrived at Demolition News Towers, he brought with him an envelope containing a letter. A letter that would be the first clue in a tangled plot of intrigue and mystery. A plot that extended to the very top of the demolition industry. Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm sorry, I can't keep that up. Um, yesterday I received a copy of an anonymous letter calling for the NFDC's current second vice president, um, Gary Bishop, to resign and to not take up the role of vice president later this week. You can read uh, the contents over at demolitionnews.com right now, but that's what the letter looks like. Uh, I don't know if you can see that very clearly. <clears throat> the letter itself is mysterious in so many ways. Um, for one thing, I have no idea who sent it. I know that a copy has been uh, received at the NFDC H uh, HQ headquarters. Uh, I would presume that uh, Gary Bishop himself has probably got a copy, um, but I've got no idea how many more might be in circulation. Equally mysterious, I think, is the actual content of the letter. It's signed, if signed is the right word, in Latin, which suggests that the writer is a well-educated person. And yet the word role, as in a job title, R-O-L-E, is misspelled as R-O-L-L -L throughout. Also, the address label on the envelope that arrived here 
had the word sorry misspelled too. So is the use of Latin an attempt to make someone look smarter than they really are? Or are the misspellings an indication that someone really smart is trying to throw us off the trail? Furthermore, it was sent from an address that is the home of the Royal Society of Arts. Is that a clue? Or is that also a deliberate red herring? There are mixed messages coming from Resurgent House, the uh, headquarters of the NFDC too. When I spoke to them yesterday, I was told that the anonymous letter was not being seen as credible. But the Federation then went on to uh, take the trouble of issuing a statement on the subject. Now, I find myself torn. Um, there is a part of me that this thinks this sort of thing really does belong in the school playground. Passing anonymous notes about people is something we should have grown out of by now. Uh, there's another part of me that really hopes that this doesn't um, detract from or overshadow the beginning of William Crook's presidency. I think he's worked too long and too hard for his big day to be spoiled. But there's another part of me that believes the letter contains at least one uncomfortable truth. Um, this isn't the first time uh, I've heard about Gary Bishop's opinion that officers should not seek re-election. Um, that's been widely um, discussed over the past few months uh, and, and continues to be so. Now, there have been exceptions, of course. Uh, most recently, when David Keane returned for a second term as NFDC president after Paul Brown was ousted in a manner that I still believe was unbefitting of the Federation's proud 80-year history. But if Gary Bishop really did step in as second vice president as a caretaker while a suitable replacement was found, and is on record of uh, as having objected to others seeking re-election, then hasn't he kind of rendered his own position untenable? Accepting the role of vice president now, given that there is not one but two willing candidates waiting in the wings, would surely be hypocritical. Now that distant rumble you can hear right now is probably the sound of wagons circling. But let me explain. Uh, both John Lynch at uh, Newline and Ryan Noon of Howard Stock Demolition have put their names forward um, for the role of second vice president. Either of these would be would surely be eligible to take up the vice president the vice president's mantle should Gary Bishop step aside. Which of the two should get the gig though? Both are good candidates and both for very different reasons. Personally, I think a quick such a quick rise to the top would probably be harder on Ryan Noon. Ryan is he's a director, but he is an employed person. So chances are he's agreed with his boss that he will work towards having enough free time to take the role of president in four years' time. Not in two years' time, should these events shift the process forward. John Lynch, meanwhile, is the principal of his own company. He stated in my interview with him that he has the time to dedicate to the role right now. Lynch has also been in the Federation for many years and brings with him a huge amount of experience. In addition, he will also know the incoming president, William Crooks, very, very well as a pair of served together at regional level. And besides all that, Ryan Noon is still young. His time will surely come. Of course, all of this is entirely hypothetical. It assumes that there is validity in the claims that Gary Bishop himself is against the very notion of re-election. It assumes also that, an act, that, that if that is the case, he will act accordingly. None of this helps solve the mystery of the letter itself. Who sent it? Why did they send it? And why did they send it now? Is it a plea for change? A personal vendetta? Or a prank? Perhaps we'll never know. 
What I do know is that my investigative skills got a thorough and long overdue workout yesterday. So if the, the writer of this letter is watching or listening, thanks for that. We now just have to wait to see what happens next. Um, now, I know what happens next for me. Um, I am scheduled to take part in a press launch of a new hard hat at 10 a.m. Um, that one that you can see there is about to be pensioned off. Not the crown, that's stained, but the uh, the old hard hat is about to be pensioned off because apparently there is a new hard hat winging its way to me. Um, I've got no time to really hang around for a chat. However, I will be back here again at one o'clock today when I'm planning to live stream the writing of a new article that I'm planning to publish on Medium. Um, I've got my notes together for that. Um, if you're bored, if you fancy a chat, if you just want to see what goes into this, the, the writing process, if you've really got nothing better to do with your afternoon, then uh, please pop along one o'clock uh, this afternoon. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I'm pro I'm planning to have uh, a shared screen and probably two cameras on the go, so you'll literally be able to see the article coming together uh, before your very eyes. And as I mentioned yesterday, my plan is that anyone that, that comes along and drops their name into the comments while I'm, I'm writing the article will get a mention in dispatches when the article is published. Um, so if that's something you fancy, uh, please pop along, as I say, at one o'clock this afternoon. And if that's not your cup of tea, and I fully understand if that is the case, um, I'll be back here again uh, tomorrow at our usual time, 10 a.m. Um, and then again, together with my Construction Collective colleagues, I will be back here yet again at 6 p.m. tomorrow night for our technology special. Uh, so till then, have a great day, and I will play you out uh, appropriately with this. Mm -hmm.